This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to independent film. Inside, you'll find tools, tips, and tricks vetted by industry professionals, independent films that will inspire your creativity, filmmaking events where you can rub elbows with filmmakers just like you, and so much more. The best part of it all, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe. And within a few clicks, you'll be part of our newsletter community. Again, that's www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, a free bi-weekly newsletter from Chris and Nick at Bonsai Creative. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hi, I'm Sophie Holland and I'm a casting director. Um, things you might know me for are things like The Witcher and Wednesday. Um, and I'm currently working on a couple of um, new things. So obviously we have season four of The Witcher that I've started. Um, and I'm also working on a film called Heads of State with Idris Elba and John Cena. Sophie Holland, welcome to the Make It podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our absolute pleasure. And I have to tell you, I have so many notes here. I really wasn't sure where we could even start because there's so many different places we could start and so many cool things you're working on. Uh, just last night, I read uh, in Q Magazine, which is Netflix's sort of insider industry magazine they send out, uh, I was just reading this entire spread they have on Jenna Ortega from from Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And uh, they talked about, they were talking about the costume designer, but I was hoping to find maybe that they said something about you uh, too. They never talk about the casting directors. That's the ongoing joke. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to address that today and get your, get your honest opinion on why that is. Yes. But before I get too deep into the conversation, which is, you know, easy for me to do and easy for you to do, I think. Let me make this official by reading a little bit from your bio. And like I always say, this is the internet. So if anything needs to be amended or updated, just let me know at the end. Okay. Sophie Holland is a UK-based casting director working predominantly in high-end TV, film, theater productions across the world. Sophie Holland Casting is considered one of the most exciting casting offices in the UK, with her incredible expertise and years of experience, Sophie has casted some of Netflix's most watched shows, including Wednesday, Netflix's record-breaking series that propelled Jenna Ortega into stratospheric stardom. This critically acclaimed Tim Burton adaptation has been watched worldwide for over 1.2 billion hours. 
Wow. Holland has just been announced to be working with Burton on his next feature film, soon to be announced. Sophie is the casting director for the epic TV series, The Witcher, which, by the way, in its first 28 days had 462.5 million hours of viewing in its first 28 days. Uh, is based on the popular fantasy saga by, how do you pronounce this author's name? Is it Andres Sapowski? Sapkowski, yeah. Sapkowski. Thank you for keeping me from sounding like an idiot. <laughs> and boasting a dynamic cast led by Henry Cavill, who's awesome, by the way. And uh, Sophie also cast the prequel series, The Witcher Blood Origins, starring Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh. Some of her other projects include the musical horror picture, Anna and the Apocalypse, great title, The Cherry with Tom Holland, and Marvel blockbuster Thor, The Dark World, and You. Other recent TV work includes the chart-topping fantasy Shadow and Bone, Peripheral, Young Wallander. Is that how you pronounce it? Wallander? Wallander, yeah. Wallander? Young Wallander. Yeah. Um, Mediba with Lawrence Fishburne. That's incredible. The Indian Detective with Russell Peters. And the UK casting for Seth MacFarlane's Fox series, The Orville, which I've heard incredible things about. Lastly, in film, Holland undertook the UK casting for Cherry, A24's The Kill Team with Alexander Sarsgaard, and Lion Gates Down a Dark Hall with Uma Thurman. Wow. I mean, what, you've done what a bio. research. What? That's, like, that's my whole resume. <laughs> that's your whole life. That's like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, I want to get I want to get into that because, you know, you've done a lot, obviously, in film. And uh, we're going to dig into that because the experiences you've had are just incredible. But you don't have a lot on record about sort of your origin story to, you know, take it into Thor, the dark world or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so I'm just curious, was there a moment that you can remember growing up? that you knew you were going to live a creative life? No, I, I definitely did not think I was able to do that, to be perfectly honest. So my mum has, um, there were five of us originals growing up. I have a twin brother as well. And truly, I didn't really know anything about the industry. I, I thought for a long, 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 long time that I wanted to be an actor because I don't know what your upbringing was like, but, you know, all I knew about the industry, really, truly, all I knew about it was that, oh, you could be an actor, which sounded amazing to me. I mean, walking the red carpet, having people like, you know, think you're special, like that sounded to me like the absolute epitome of like what I would want my life to be. It sounded great, especially when you are in a family of five kids and you're down the bottom of the thing and you're vying for kind of attention, and everything else like that felt like a really lovely way of getting validation or being a director and like, but again, equally sounded absolutely lovely, but not quite as glamorous. So I didn't really know anything about the other things that you could be mm. um, until much, much later of me trying to be an actor unsuccessfully. And then I just, I, it just, I, it just wasn't work. That wasn't working out for me. That was a very difficult um, career to get into. So, you know, but I try, I tried for many years. I tried. Yeah. And made me think about like, why is it, that so many people want to be an actor. I think you touched on it a little bit in your answer there, but it, it it is interesting what you say about sort of the need for acceptance and to, to know that you're taking up space in the world in a positive way. I mean, what is your sense of it now in retrospect, having cast so many actors? Why, why is this becoming 
the predominant field outside of YouTuber for young people? Yeah. You mean to be an actor? Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of it is for validation. Uh, you know, it's funny, isn't it? And I've always been drawn to the stories where, I mean, Harry Potter is the perfect example where you are a normal boy overlooked by everyone around you and then you get to be the chosen one you get to go and be the center of attention and be special and I feel like everybody I mean not everybody maybe that's that's speaking out of turn but I mean a lot of people want to be special don't don't we like we don't want to be average or run of the mill like we want somebody to come up to us and say yes you're special here's some validation we validate you we think you're amazing blah 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 whereas I feel like you, ha- you can have that moment if you're a successful actor. I mean, you can literally walk down a red carpet with people calling your name, taking pictures because of your talent. That must be extraordinary, mustn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's And then okay. I think it's it's sort of accelerated by, I guess, media and social media as well. Social media where, yeah, of course, like where we, we love watching um, people. I mean, the, the pandemic was a perfect example of that. I became obsessed with like, you know, they did interviews at people's houses, so like mm-hmm. famous people's houses, and you'd yeah. see the background of their kitchen and you think like, oh my God, you have an entire fridge dedicated to champagne. Like, what? <laughs> that's, that's wild. But then also it does separate you, doesn't it? You go, well, I don't have that. I don't have a fridge full of champagne. I don't even have bo- a bottle of champagne. I have a bottle of Prosecco yeah. from my lo- local supermarket. Like, what have yeah. you done to get that? Like, you become obsessed. It's very easy, isn't it, to kind of compare yourself to other people. And I guess it's true what they say, like, comparison is the death of art have you ever heard of that i have yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's it's it's, it's it's similar to um I, uh, com- another one i've heard which is comparison is the you know enemy or of happiness oh or, yes you know, that's, so this idea that. that that when you compare it's impossible for you to be happy oh my god i completely agree with that I c- and, and like i literally found myself like yearning to have a fridge full of champagne and that's just not my life you know what I mean so it's yes yeah, it's a slippery slope yeah and I think it's hard for us not to compare because we want to know where we stack up I yeah, mean that's just really you know what it's what it's all about we just want to know um how close are we to yeah, whatever goal yes. we have whatever well, how far away yeah yeah or how far away yeah yeah you asked me earlier how I was brought up and you know for me it wasn't that my mother or father were in entertainment per se. It was just that I have memories of my mom being obsessed with celebrity. Right. Obsessed is a strong word. I probably shouldn't use that word, but it's, but she loved soaps and she loved the Oscars and she would throw an Oscar party and Academy award party every year, wow. just as a, just a lay person, Mm-hmm. you know, in their home with the family, a way to bring us all together and have fun. So I always viewed the entertainment business as something that brought me together with my family, something that brought me closer to my mother, yeah. right? Like we were able to share that space together and, and, yeah. and, and be on equal, not equal footing from an authoritative standpoint, hierarchically, but speaking, but it's like we were both enjoying it for the same reason. And yeah. so I am curious with you, how were you brought up? Like what exposed you to even thinking about being an actor? Yeah. And, and and I think for, I mean, just to pick up on your point, really, for a long, long time, I wanted to be, I had a chip on my shoulder. I think, I think honesty is always the best thing 
mm-hmm. the best way to go. I think I had, you know, we came from a very working class family. It was a single parent raising five kids and we lived with our, um, with my grandparents in their sort of ex-council house. Mm. And I feel like, and then we moved schools where we lived quite far away from the school. And like, it was always just like, I never felt like I had enough or I fit in. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I wanted, you know, I wanted more. I wanted to be prettier or more popular than I was. And I always felt like I wasn't those things. And then many, many years later, when I was studying to be an actor at a place called City Lit in Covent Garden over here, which is basically an amazing place where you can go and you do three days a week rather than five. Mm-hmm. But it means that you can pay to live if you can't afford to go to drama school or anything like that. But I realized I was never going to be anybody else. I was always going to be me and like that sounds like it was a bit like oh no I was always gonna be me but actually what I realized is like I can't be someone else but I can be a better version of who I am every single day and that completely shifted my kind of point of view I was like oh I'm never gonna be Nina Gold or Shaheen Baig or you know Gina Jay or any of these other amazing brilliant casting directors but I can be Sophie Holland I can be a better version of myself every day I can try and kind of grow that art of it and I just realized with acting it was just it didn't matter if I was good enough or or not like we will never know couldn't get through the door Chris like no one would see me for an audition so I mean listen I could have been the next Jennifer Lawrence I don't know (laughs) (laughs) we will never find out but the truth was like I just couldn't get in but then that impacted then the way in which now I kind of move forward as a casting director in terms of like the way I want to work, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a, a lot of sense. And I appreciate you sharing that uh, about sort of your upbringing. I think one of the things I relate to you uh, uh, most uh, is your sort of working class upbringing mm. that, that um, I grew up modestly as well. We weren't starving. But mm-hmm. we understood that that you you know you weren't going to be given anything, Mm-mm. and you had to be tough. Yes. And and uh, to this day, uh, if you want to see me run to the door, just start whining. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I will be out of there. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what that says about me. I, so honestly, I, I I maybe I need to see a therapist. Like I don't know if that makes I, me a bad person because yeah. I I don't have that muscle because yeah. of the way I grew up. Yes. Uh, and, and I see what you're saying. And actually I think what it's given me or one of my, my sort of big, the biggest tool in my box, which seems to have developed kind of accidentally because of that upbringing is that I have a natural buoyancy. So you can knock me down and it will hurt, but I will get back up. I just will. Like I'm tenacious. And I think that comes from that. Like you're never going to get handed a single thing. You are going to have to work for it. And and I think my mom was really smart in that. And I don't think she even realized the sort of like the, how big this statement was, but she was like, if you speak better, I know that's not good English. If you, but if you like, if you sound posher than you are, it will open doors. It's as simple as that. If you aren't that person, you can blend in and like, you'll have more opportunities. And I don't think she really understood how much the class divide over here in the UK, at least can affect you. But I think she understood it on like a, a molecular level. And then that's what she told me, you know, because I'm not the smartest person. I'm not academic in any way, shape or form. I didn't go to university. Like everything I've learned has been through kind of, um, on the job so to speak like casting with this there is now a a course you can do but like it's on the job training and I feel like 
you know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for those things that I do have. And I think it comes from being a working class girl, actually. Yeah, your mom was spot on. There's this idea, you know, in business where you have to be able to communicate in order yeah. to sell the math. Yes. So you can be great at math, but no one's going to buy your math <laughs> that gets mm -hmm. you, you know, that that product you built. If you can't first have someone speak on your behalf or speak on your own behalf. And yes. when you have both, you're kind of unstoppable. And that's where you kind of see yeah. some of the titans of release tech and film today. They're people who have an engineering mind, but can communicate really, really well. So I, yeah. I completely agree with that. And just in case listeners aren't sure and you, you know, haven't picked up on her accent, uh, Sophie is in the UK right now. Uh, <laughs> so she, she will bring up places and experiences from that POV just so, so everybody knows. Um, I'm curious, you, you made this jump from acting to casting director and it seemed to be a pretty wise decision based on everything that, that we researched. I'm curious though, within that jump, were you mentored by anyone uh, in casting when you first got started? And, and if so, who was it and, and what was the key wisdom they passed on to you? No, I wasn't really. And do you know what? It was a, a much, much too late, but a brilliant um, American agent once said to me, once, I, once I'd gone out to LA um, to try and hustle for work as a casting director in my own right. So I'd made that literally just, just made that jump from associate to trying to start my own business. You know, he said to me, like, you can see the casting directors who give birth the next generation and you can see the ones that don't and which one do you want to work with and actually like I'd wish I'd had that advice when I'd started in the industry because mm. to find a casting director who mentors you um into start into being able to start your own career is is a is a very rare special thing and I really don't feel that I'd ever had that relationship I had I had worked for there were two casting directors in particular that I thought were I mean, the most extraordinarily talented casting directors. Um, one was called Susie Figgis, who was Tim Burton's casting director, ironically. Mm -hmm. um, I'd worked for her briefly and I just thought she was magic. Mm -hmm. um, and another one was the late Marilyn Johnson, who did lots of British TV and probably you, you might not have heard of her, but she, again, just fiercely talented. Um, but, but I'd never had anybody who had said like, this, I mean, you learn on the jobs. So there's always like, this is how you do it. But there's never anyone who goes, okay, come in, let me nurture you. Let me show you how this works and why and everything else. So um, I feel like I'd missed out on that. And, and then as a consequence, when I went out on my own, I mean, I was on the back, I was on the back foot, just kind of like making it up. You know what I mean? Like trying to kind of, I don't really know what I was doing. Like it was a very steep learning curve because of that. Um, and in many ways, I look back and I think, well, oh, I probably could have done with a few more years um, experience under my belt. But like once you've jumped off the cliff, you've done it, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, the, the, the mentorship can open doors for you, get you in the right room, get you the warm invites, give you sort of a safety net as you walk the tightrope of your career. Yeah. But when you do it your way, where you're climbing up the side of the mountain with a with, mm -hmm. you know, a puma chasing you from behind, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you build a muscle and a callus that, you know, will never be taken from you. So you, you, you if you can make it, even though it's harder, if yeah, you can make it up true. the mountain, then you're actually better than the person in my mind 
better off than the person that got mentored. Or you, or you certainly are stronger. Yeah, you're stronger. I'd not yeah. thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. In many ways, it was probably a gift, a gift that I just jumped into the fire and, and survived. I think, you know, that's probably, it certainly made me tougher. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I could, yeah. That's the whole thing. Um, this might be a left turn. And if it is, okay, that's what we do on the Make It Podcast. But can you talk about your Lawrence Russell videos and and how you use them and and how the concept got started? (laughs) Well, oh my gosh. So that's hilarious. So Lawrence Russell, I'd just literally been watching his Market Casty Cast videos and I'd always commented on them and my husband and I had watched them together. So here's somebody who impersonates a casting director. But sometimes (laughs) some of the conversations he has, like I was literally like, are you in my office? Like what is happening? (laughs) So funny. And then so anyway, he approached me and he was like, do you fancy doing a collab? And I was like, I mean, I would love to. I would love to so much. Um, And so he wrote these kind of sketches and he sent them over and he was like, pick four or whatever it was. And then I roped the team into being involved and they just absolutely loved the idea. Um, But I think I think he's an absolute genius. And and I find that the root of of his sketches, I find they're basically my everyday life. Brilliant. <laughs> Where can we watch these videos? You can watch these videos um, on his and my Instagram page. So if you want to um, find me, I'm at SHC Casting, which is a story behind that because obviously the name of the company is Sophie Holland Casting, but I've, I've misdone it on on Instagram now. So it's like SHC <laughs> Casting. doesn't really make any sense. But it's done now. Can't change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sophie Holland casting casting. <laughs> all, all good. Well, we have a similar situation. There's um a gentleman that lives near you actually, uh, that owns the handle Bonsai Creative and then owns oh, yeah. bonsaicreative.com. And oh, he's God. a he's a lovely gentleman. And yeah. we, we've actually recently talked uh not too long ago uh, about this issue. And he's just kind of, he's just going to sit on it and he's just going to wait and he's just going to wait until we pay him, you know, a crazy amount of money for, for the rights to all these things. So we are underscore Bonsai Creative. Thanks to a gentleman across the pond who, uh, just, That's just sitting on it, just wait, just waiting. You're just waiting until you could want to pay him the big bucks. I mean, I salute that. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's, it's true story, Sophie. Like when we first talked to him in 2014, 2015, there was one price and the price has gone up. (laughs) 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 The better we do, the more expensive it's going to (laughs) be. Listen, I have, I mean, I want to ask because I think your, your listeners will want to know what is the price currently, Chris? He wanted over 10 grand just for the domain. Man. Okay, so we we'll start a GoFundMe page. Yeah, we'll explain the situation. Yeah, we'll see if we can get people to put some money in a pot so that you can get the the domain that you want. Yeah, I think that's what we have to do because I think that back in the day he wanted like seven fifty, and I'm like, golly, just buy early. <laughs> for, for God's sakes, anyone listening, if you, if the price is expensive now, it's going to be more later. Buy early. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. I think so. Oh yeah, you should have paid. Yeah, you yeah. should have paid. Yeah. That's inflation for but you. Ba- but back then, I was like, "That's outrageous." <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I just paid 
six dollars for you know bonsai.film so you know i'm not paying seven fifty for it but now it's now it seems like a i should have went back and did it <laughs> um what what are the one-to-one meetings one-to-one oh one-to-one meetings yeah talk so, about that that process yeah that was so um oh, we literally just had work that the all of the productions were shutting and we were absolutely terrified what that meant we had no idea what that meant much like everybody else and so my brilliant associate my right hand girl um Faye Timby um, shout out to Faye Timby shout out to the Tims um we she called me one night and she was like this is crazy but she was like I just want to do something to support the industry because I imagine if we're afraid then everybody else is afraid as well and I was thinking like maybe we could offer some generals to actors and I was like oh my gosh that's such an amazing idea um and then we had some friends at we audition um shout out to them as well who said that we could host these meetings these general meetings um on their site and then what happened was we did like an hour a day basically where we'd say like today we're going to meet um uh, actors who were also parents with kids. So all the parents would come on and we'd get through as many as, of those as we could. And then um, all of these other creators wanted to get involved. So we'd have showrunners and directors and all sorts of people. Like, so we'd pair up and then we'd uh, give one, one-to-ones like Lauren Hisrich, the showrunner of The Witcher, also did a session, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. casting directors from all over the world. And it was, it was, it genuinely kept me sane. First of all, it gave my day structure so that I would do an hour a day. Normally, I think it was like between four and five. Um, it means I got to talk to actors all over the world um, that I would never normally have had the privilege of meeting. And then we actually managed to cast some of them in like the subsequent things that we did we, when we came out with the pandemic. So it was, um, yeah, that's what the one, that's what the one-to-ones were. I really love that idea. And yes. um, it's quite novel. I'd love to get into sort of the dirty details of being a casting director. Lots okay. of people who may want to be a casting director listening to this. Also, s- certainly several actors. There is a quote that you had that I thought was fascinating. It might be a good way to sort of launch into this series of questions, which is that you had mentioned that you tried to act uh, and it wasn't working and someone told you that, you know, if you want fame, be an actor, if you want power, be a casting director. And then you yeah. realize that no one actually has the power. So, yeah. uh, what made you realize that no one has power? I don't know if there was a, I don't know if there was a moment, do you know, the more I get to know the industry, the more I realize that two things. First of all, that it is an organism that exists completely symbiotically with everybody else. That's the first thing. That mm. because and that's that's the art side of things where you need ev- where you need the best people at their jobs to make something work. That's the first thing. The second of all is this is an industry that has is largely um, unregulated. Is that the word? Yep. Yeah. Um, so and and there's problems that come with that. Um, so what you have is this sort of ever moving kind of um, like organism basically. Um, and it, and because it ever moves, it never really gives anybody authority. You all literally take steps together. Um, 
So for example, I might find somebody that I think is fantastic. I mean, the perfect example of this is um, Anya Talotra in The Witcher, but it takes a process to convince other people to come along with me, especially when you're looking at talent, for example, who's unproven, like she hadn't done it very much at that point. Um, You know what I mean? So then it's about eventually you never feel like it's your, like you have the power. It's really about convincing people to come along with you and then, you'll never, as a casting director, you'll never have um, praise for that. You'll never be praised. Like you're not part of the casting announcements. You don't get to walk to the carpet. No one remembers you at the rap party. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like, so so you operate as a casting director, you're, you're the, a hunter, but you operate in the dark. Nobody really knows. And, and, and you know, I mean, I know this is a segue and feel free to cut this out, but like today I was invited to a screening of The Little Mermaid. Mm, awesome. And The Little Mermaid, um, what an extraordinary um, piece of filmmaking, but also in terms of the casting, how revelatory is that going to be for children watching that, a new mm. kind of look, you know, we're looking at a, a, a black aerial, the things that that will do for, um, you know, uh, the next generation of people wanting to be involved in the industry is absolutely huge. And they mentioned everyone the sound designer the editor the costume designer the actors and they never once on this sheet mentioned casting and i'm like are you are you kidding are you kidding that that's the only department that you don't mention that is wild to me yeah. and, and then honestly it pisses me off yeah I'm like, it's, how, can you, how can you ignore this it's a it, it really is a skill set and i know it firsthand on our movie another version of you which is a great movie in its own right but there was an opportunity that we had sort of in the middle of it before we had shot the rest of the movie. We, we sort of shot a few scenes in, uh, in France, we shot a few sh- scenes in Iceland and we were going to do the rest, uh, after that. But, uh, someone close to, I think JJ Abrams had got a whiff to the script and, and loved it, but they wanted us to scrap everything we shot so mm-hmm. far, get this particular casting director, and recast the whole movie. Um, and, you know, it, it would have destroyed, you know, every friendship that we had in the movie yes. at the time. Yes. And so we said no. But by saying no, we also lost that opportunity. Yes. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that's how powerful casting is. Like it's it, yeah. it meant that much where it's like, I love this script, but without – you know, this casting director and then the people that she picks, yeah. um, you know, you know, we're out. And and so we didn't even go down the, the rabbit hole with that because we just weren't going to lose those, those people. And I'm glad we didn't because some, all those people are still very, very close to me today yeah. and in this community that I, that I live in in film, yeah. but that's a really tough choice. And it speaks to the power of, of casting. And I should say this, I know that you don't get to walk the red carpet and, and, and you're not given the credit you deserve. And we are going to actually address that in, uh, in this conversation. Cause I do find that kind of curious, but at the end of the day, you do have the power to start in many cases, sometimes even end a career. Yeah. You, you are a gatekeeper in, in that way. So how do you keep yourself from, from hitting a tipping point with power where it's kind of gone to your head or you're using it in the wrong way. Yeah. And I think what you've just talked about is exactly it. So you walk, you try to navigate 
this this industry and somebody makes you offers and you could go down that path but I think the most important thing is that you come back to yourself and you think who do I want to be when I look in who do I want to see when I look in the mirror every day and and who am I doing this for um and and you know like you had a point there you could have absolutely forsaken those people and you could have like hit the big time Hollywood calling you know you could have the potential to make millions and for whatever is in your heart you say you say no and mm-hmm. I think I mean, I'm never sure I'm, I'm ever going to have that opportunity come knocking but I'm doing this for several very specific reasons I work in casting for several very specific reasons and it the moment that that feels like I've turned away from that is the moment that I'm not going to be me anymore and that's the moment I walk away yeah 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 that's great that's great the the only and, and you would have to probably look at that person a few a few days or a few weeks in the mirror to even recognize that you've yeah shifted and changed into something else yeah because it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you would know right away no, and and I think you know, and and, and listen, I'm lucky. I'm, I have a a husband who, you know, keeps me grounded, and he asks me very specific questions, and like he's never really going to let me. I think become some. I don't think he would tolerate me being someone that I'm not, or you know what I mean, changing yeah, yeah. it. But also, I mean, what really happened to me, and what I find incredibly grounding, is that I was lucky enough to have a. a a week a baby girl which is five now but really everything I do is because of her or like I see I see the world in a very specific way because of her mm-hmm. um and so like she really is my sort of like my north star in a way and she keeps me like she keeps me honest they both do they, they keep me honest so really and and I honestly think Chris that like the rest of it isn't real you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, yes I want I want the recognition I want the validation of walking down the red carpet mm. at something I have cast yeah. yeah I want that I'm not gonna lie like that I, I feel like it's does I think I feel like you know casting directors deserve it I think they deserve that acknowledgement for what they do for literally representing the world in certain ways. I think it's an incredibly powerful position that they have. Um, but also it's not real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, that's right. Rob Lowe talked about this recently about this idea that there are a lot of actors that torture themselves like, mm-hmm. Oh, should I take that role? I only play bad guys, but this isn't a bad guy or I only play good guys. And now they want me to play a bad guy or I only play this kind of role, or that kind of role. It's like he said, it's all bullshit. It's like it's not real. Just like the question is, what can you bring to that role? Yeah. The question is, can you make it real? Because if so, it's not gonna matter. No one's gonna care. Like the things yeah. that like people move on. Like there's a lot yeah. of competition for everyone's attention. Yeah. Let's talk about your process from mm-hmm. start to finish as a casting mm-hmm. director. So can you walk this audience through uh we mentioned Lawrence Russell videos, but can you walk us through a day in the life of, of Sophie Holland at casting director? Of course. Yeah. Um, or I'll get, or at least I'll give a sort of like simplified version of exactly what a casting director does and what our process is. So yeah. um, we will get scripts and what will happen is that we will um, l- take that apart, look at the roles individually and we'll sort of talk about, um, what they need, so what's in the script that they need to do, like do they need to sword fight, ride a horse, um, do they need to be funny, do they need to have depth of emotion, do they need to look a certain way, um, 
and then we'll start to write a breakdown of like what's on the script and then we'll add in what I want to have on top of that so like how I want to maybe flesh that out or what I want that to symbolize in the in the world that we're in or how we can kind of get actors that will um add layers underneath that just by like maybe you have a the role of a queen but I I might want to be somebody who's working class I think that representation might be important blah 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 so then we'll build a kind of uh, a description of what we're looking for um and then we'll do one of two or maybe both of the things where we either send it out to agents and we have agents make suggestions um and or uh, we might do lists of actors that we um think would be like you know the, the dream basically um and then we'll kind of whittle those down until we have what I call selects so mm. those selects, I mean um I'm quite selective about those things so then it will be mm. finding those people I think are absolutely brilliant and then it will be basically me convincing everybody else that I'm right <laughs> and we'll try and hire them <laughs> and it's like brick by brick by brick character by character by character the idea yeah. is that eventually you will build a whole world in that way I love that yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, if you ever see me looking down, it's because I'm writing copious notes about little cool things you say, like the word selects. I like the I, I, idea of that. Um, I think to the outside person, too, and to some actors, especially actors who aren't successful in the audition room or yeah. aren't successful with casting directors, they might look at the work and say, well, what makes what makes a casting director good in the first place? Why couldn't yeah. just why couldn't I just replace you and sit down in your chair and do just as good of a job? So can you just explain what makes a good casting director and um, does the casting director make the actor or does the actor make the casting director? So I don't know. It depends, I guess, who you ask, because honestly, I think there are good casting directors and I think there are bad casting directors. And, and, and ultimately, they are artists in their own right. And so that opinion is based on, you know, um, it is just an opinion right. um, based on what your taste is, etc. But um, casting directors are hired for their taste. And that's an, as individual as any artist painting a picture. So um, for actors, it's not necessarily, well, look, 99% of the time, it's because you find somebody you think is a better fit for the role. That's the truth. Right. That's that's the truth of why you might not get the, the job. The other truth would be that not actors are brilliant actors. Any actors aren't going to be perfect at every role they go for. That's another truth, you know. And the other thing is that actors grow and they change. Things Different things are going on in their life that inform the decisions that they make, um, you know, um, so it, it literally is an ever moving thing. And then not only that, but like every year you have thousands of new actors coming into the industry, thousands leaving, you know what I mean? So it's a constant shifting thing. Um, and also look, the other truth is, is we watch hundreds of actors every single day, every single day. Right. And that's our focus. And you would hope, much like with a hairdresser, for example, that you would hope that somebody who's been cutting hair for a year is going to be better than somebody who has only cut hair for a week. And that's because the more you do it, the better you get. But ultimately, yeah. the talent is just taste. And I don't think that that is something that you can teach. In the same way that I thought Marilyn Johnson and Susie Figgis were exceptional casting directors, their taste was their own. Yeah. And to my mind, it was 
flawless and undeniable, but other people might have different opinions. You know, it's interesting. That's a, that's a talk track that I have about taste. Yeah. I haven't seen, if taste can be taught, I haven't seen it. No. What I have seen is someone be trained to pretend, I guess, like, so you can train someone to, to say, this is good red wine. Yeah. And they'll, and then they'll drink it and they'll yeah. think it's terrible. They'll think it's like, you know, a dreck. And they'll say, oh, I, I taste blackberries. I taste, you know, and they can just re regurgitate the language of good taste back at you because they know that that's supposed to be good, yeah. even though they don't like it. Yeah. So that yeah. you can teach. I think you can teach like, oh, I'm going to say that XYZ movie is great. Yeah. Because everyone knows that it's great. I hate yeah. But deep down inside, they don't yeah. know what the big fuss is about. Like they don't. Yeah. They're like, What's great about this? Of course. Yeah. I mean, we have an entire industry of pretenders. Like, I, I mean, I think it's yeah. like, there's so many. But I, I, literally, I remember being in the room with Marilyn Johnson once and we'd, go, we'd gone over to Ireland. I was her assistant at the time, very, very young, early in my career. And like, we'd been recording this guy and she didn't ask him to do it again. She didn't know him and he walked out and I was like, oh, she must think he's dreadful. <laughs> and like, she turned to me and she was like, that boy is going to be a star. And I was like, oh, Oh, and it was like, I wasn't, I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. And then it turned out many, many years later that that boy was Jack Rayner. And I'm like, she was right. <laughs> she, like, she, she knew it. She knew she it. Knew the it. second he walked in the room, she knew yeah. it. She just knew it. Like her finger was on the pulse. You know what I mean? And I feel like some people see it. Like it literally, like when I see somebody now in the room and like when I'm paying attention and my, literally I get goosebumps on my arm. Like I know it. I just know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's those moments that I live for. Like they are the, the best moments of my career. Like when you find somebody, when you know they're going to be special, you feel like a jewel collector, like you found a diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. I love you know doing I mean? that. It's wonderful. It's the best, best thing. And everyone can look at Gary Oldman and say, well, diamond. yeah, obviously he's a diamond. Everyone knows that. But right. it's finding those new people and knowing that they're going to have these amazing careers because what they have is real is like the it's the best exactly like i famously almost got a divorce because over triangle of sadness because, <laughs> <laughs> because this story, I'm I, I almost disowned my entire family that watched that with me and that didn't like it i'm like what is what is who are you people what? Why can't you see this? Yeah. And then and then having to defend Wes Anderson, which he doesn't need me to defend him. But it's just kind of like people who don't can't watch his movies or people mm -hmm. who like didn't make it through tar. I'm like, right. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm not having this debate with you. I'm not having it. And, and uh, you know, we're not friends anymore. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that harsh. But I, I totally relate so much to yeah. to what you're saying. And I do think there is that you use this word a few times, symbiotic sort of nature of the business, because yes, you cast Jenna Ortega and gave her that opportunity that was big, but she also had to pay you back by having a great performance. And if she went on the show and was, and was not good, then that would have affected your career potentially. Well, I, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know what, like I, I would, I would also, I mean, I have to give credit where it's due. First of all, it was John Patsadira that found General Ortega. I mean, he, so he was based in the US okay. and he was watching all the, all, all the girls. And so he, and he knew, and that's the other thing, like John Patsadira is an absolutely 
brilliant casting director. He absolutely is the real deal. He knows what he's doing and he's kind and he's generous and he's also very clever. Um, and when they were, um, you know, looking for Wednesday, he had been tracking her ever since the beginning. So he, he knew. But, but I also have to give other credit where it's due. And that is like... Um, Alan Miles, the showrunner, the showrunners and the writers of Wednesday have written these scripts that were um, fresh and brilliant so that we knew the story of, the, of Wednesday, we knew the story of the Adams family, and they brought up this sort of program that appeals to everyone in the family. And I think that's the, te- that's the, the real sort of, you know, the, the dip test is like everyone could watch it, everyone could enjoy it. Yeah. It was also like it just rode that line of like, oh, it's horror and we're really verging on like quite nasty, gruesome things, but they can make it so it's palatable in many ways. So you can have quite a you know youthful audience all the way up. Yeah. Um, and then you have the genius Tim Burton. So that's that and, Tim Burton I, effect, yeah. Yes, and well exactly. And the thing is is like so Tim obviously had been an illustrator and so he's this incredibly visual director but the sh- the shock was that tim is also lovely like the nicest human being he's a dad he's kind he's clever like you know and so i, I you know it was it just seemed to be this kind of everything seemed to come together in in a, in a way that i mean i thought like maybe i'll have an audience i'm not sure and then like i did not expect it to do what it did and i feel like you know Jenna, yes, absolutely. Um, she's out there in front. She's leading the charge. That's what you associate with. But there are all these amazing people in the background working to kind of put this together and bring it to life. And I feel like not enough can be said about those guys either. That's a great point. Great point. And uh, kudos to to that entire team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes an actor memorable uh, to you talent. in your audition? Just like what talent. jumps out at you? Just be good. Just be good. <laughs> the, the truth is, is like, look, I, you, I, this is probably my background, but you don't need bells and whistles. And in fact, I find real true power comes from um, vulnerability and truth. Um, and again, those they don't cost anything. And so what I'm looking for is just, is, is someone who's talented. Um, and and for every hundred people that I see, there are maybe one or two, possibly three that are especial, you know, those people yeah. that are just, just fire, basically. And that's what I'm looking for. And truthfully, I don't know if you can manufacture that, but I think if you, if you want to maximize on what you are able to bring, then I think because it's art and we're looking at artists, I think having an opinion is important. I think understanding what you want to say with the role is really important. And that seems to be the things that I respond to the most is like, don't, it shouldn't matter that you're trying to impress me. It should be that you have something to say and you want to say it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, I'm, when I'm pitching for a job and there would be many pitches where they've gone, yeah, no, you're not for us. But I mean, I'll look at a script, I'll read it twice and I'll be like, okay, this is how I want to paint this picture. This is what I would do with the casting. And it's okay if you don't want to work with me, then go and work yeah. with someone who's going to give you the picture that you want. But this is how I see it. But I think it's important that I have an opinion. Yeah, it doesn't come from anywhere. You know, yeah, it doesn't feel a POV. Real. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like um, you can play a character, but what we're really looking for is, is you to be yourself, but in the words of this character. And that will kind yeah. of come through the camera a little bit. 
Yes. Like, okay, we're, we're auditioning for somebody who, you know, uh, who plays the, the gladiator, who, com- you know, inspires all of these people to follow you. How much experience do you have in real life? None, obviously. <laughs> but what is it in you that would make you believe enough for people to follow? You have that. You have yeah. that. Whatever it is, everybody has a, a past, a life that you feel something for so what is it find that within yourself that would be i guess well that's how i see it yeah yeah that would stick out um on on are there any books you read on to to help yourself get a little bit deeper into your career helped you along the way any books you could recommend um i don't know that i've uh i've read many sort of um books on the art of casting I don't know if many exist actually but right, I am yeah. an avid reader and I, like you know we touched on it when we were talking about country music before we started like yeah. <laughs> I, I am an avid reader and I have always been an avid reader and I I love stories more specifically I love um I love to know more about people mm-hmm. about why people do what they do about um how different upbringings or lives might then change people's perspectives I'm fascinated by um taking apart people's motives yeah, and I yeah. think that um probably helps me when it comes to casting because I can take the smallest role and I can be like oh do you know why that person is ordering the drink in that way it's because of this you know what I mean so I can kind of give things more of a life and I am fascinated like beyond reason really it's embarrassing I'm fascinated by those tiny roles because I feel like they really inform the bigger world and I feel like most people just don't care but I, I I'm obsessive about it are there any, is there one or two that just jumped to your mind right away? Like books? I can think of one, I think in series two of The Witcher and it was, um, it was barmaid one or something. And I'd be like, oh my God, another barmaid, Jesus Christ. Well, like how many barmaids do there need to be? Um, and I, and I remember, okay. So I was like, okay, what town are they in? And I think it was something like Oxenfurt or something. And I was like, okay, so like, where is that on the map? And I remember it was like, um, by a harbour and this is really geeky Chris I'm really Please, sorry yeah I, let's let's I go down the like, geeky rabbit hole I was, I was like okay so like a harbour in those days was like a travel port so it was like a metropolitan like travel port so we're going to see lots of different people right coming mm-hmm. to this place because like travel in travel out etc um, and then I remember like that basically informed this um, I walk, uh, this kind of idea that we wanted somebody I think we ended well I wanted somebody with patois you know that kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah. So, and I, I was like, um, sh- like in my head, she's like a university student. She's working there to kind of make money. So she's smart, smarter than like you would normally, you know, than we would normally associate with bar wench number one. She's mm-hmm. clever. She's got an opinion. She's sort of spicy. Like let's have some, like, you know, I mean, it's insane. I can go down the rabbit hole for like for days, for days. I love that. I love that. Okay. So I haven't read The Witcher and now I have to. So it's good. It's, you should read it. You should, or we should just watch the series. Well, isn't there like a rule that you should read before you watch or does that ruin it? You should watch before you read that way the show isn't ruined or whatever. I think you should watch before you read and then those characters are in your head rather than the ones that you imagine. Then you're not disappointed. That, that is genius. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch yeah. and then um, read. So I haven't watched the entire series. I've only watched 
maybe one or two episodes. So I'm going to okay. get into it. Also. Like, you've got some homework to do, Chris, but that's fine. Yep. I'm going to write, I'm writing down Witcher homework, <laughs> uh, homework. Be sure to incorporate the word wench into regular vocabulary. <laughs> I do love the word winch. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Uh, what are the best pieces of advice you've received in your career? Um, I don't, to be honest, I don't think I've received quite enough advice. That's the truth. I feel like I really missed out on having a mentor, but I feel like if I was to give advice at this point, it would be, uh, or I wish I'd told myself like, you know, then it's mm -hmm. like shut up and listen a bit more so I guess um let's pretend that that was given to me and that I learned that lesson like a long time ago shut up and listen more yeah yep and I've been told that a lot and I found that I can take it from people who I know really love me it's like right. they really care yeah. about me and I'm, I'm rattling on like hey Chris just shut up but second. then also you might not be in charge of a podcast, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked the right to, thing to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, you did. This just, was just a good talking. Thing um, are, is there a mistake that you see actors make in the audition process? Uh, what, what, what are those biggest mistakes you see like uh, in the, in the self tapes you, you see or auditions? Um, I think the biggest, I think the biggest mistakes I've seen are, are the ones when it's just where you've you've learned the lines but you've not done anything with it or you felt like learning the lines has been the most important thing mm. whereas i feel like ev like mostly across the board everyone's good you know all yeah, actors yeah, yeah. are good really um but really what you should be constantly kind of looking for is like what you can uniquely bring to make that different and or not even different it doesn't have to be different but it has to be like linked to something of your own experience you know yeah that's that's a that's a great tip um because i you know it's easy to think that the lines are going to be the most important of course thing to and know. they are to some extent i mean it all always begins with the writing but, but, but do you have tolerance for somebody who is giving a great performance but doesn't hit every word do I have what for it? Tolerance for that. Is that cool? Tolerance. Um, if they're improving their own self tape, but they're great. Do you know, I have, to I have tolerance really for actors in general. I, f I feel like, I feel like it's really hard what actors do. And yeah. I feel like it's, it's gotten harder since the pandemic with people kind of being in their own space in their own head. And actually you've forgotten that to act is literally to do, and it has to come out. You know, like it can't right. just be this, you had this idea in your head and then it's swirled around and around. So I feel like, um, I feel like I, A, I think anyone who wants to be an actor, like, is it just like an extraordinary thing to do? It's very hard. You get very little back. Um, mm. And I, but I feel like the mistake that you make as an actor or as any artist really is when you try and please somebody else. That's really what the fan, that's the foundation of my, of, of honestly, how I feel. Um, you know, I feel like every artist has to be individual. And I think the, the, the bigger voice you have in it, the something, when you have something that propels you, that's more important than anything else. You know? Right. And so, so you would, so, so you would then say, look, 
you didn't follow the rules because here was the line that you were supposed to say. Yeah. But you were great. And we're going to prioritize your greatness over the fact that you didn't follow this rule. Yes. Or there's something there. There's enough there for me to want to note you or or think of you for something else. Or like you've taken a risk and you've shown me your talent. And now it's my job, if you're not right for this, to find you something else. Because also, you know, the other, and this is because literally this is what we do. A casting director's memory for actors is huge i mean like like i mean you won't you won't know this because i don't think you watched it but like um season one of the witcher has an actress called jodie may in and i had seen jodie may 17 years before in a show on stage and i'd remembered her from then and there are some things that just stay with you good performances are one of them but we we remember you so if we're like oh my gosh they you know they were great they were great but they weren't right for that we will remember you 10, 12 years later for something else. So it just, but it's hard to understand that when you're an actor and you're like, you know, they see me, but they haven't seen me for the last five years. Obviously they thought I was rubbish. That's just not necessarily <laughs> the case. But there are also the extraordinary thing, the thing that really blows my mind is that we have a thing called Spotlight over here. I don't know if you have an equivalent in the States, but basically it's yeah. like a database of all the actors, essentially. Right. There are yep. 70,000 in the UK alone. We're a tiny island. Right. Can't even imagine how many there are in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, all you have to do is go That's to right. IMDb Pro and you'll see that, you know, there's 20 million people oh basically <laughs> trying to do something in film. They're not all actors, but there's 20 million people trying to do something in film. I mean, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, that's an enormous number. So we throw those cool. numbers around. We throw, we throw around big numbers so much in the media that yeah. you lose a sense of how big a number is yeah, and I always relate it back because we'll say millions and billions and trillions. Like uh, yeah. we're going through this sort of debt ceiling thing here in the U S where we're trying to get into debt into the trillions <laughs> so that we can keep the economy going. And we okay. just throw those numbers around and don't realize what an enormity that is. And I always think about the lottery. We have the lottery here where you can pay money and like win a bunch of money. And it's like, I always thought the lottery was like a tax for people who are bad at math. <laughs> you know, well, like, you, like, because you have to spend it to make it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like here, like, like the, the, yeah, there are people who spend like thousand dollars a month on, on the lotto and they don't just don't realize that their chances are one. Like, what is it? What does one in 10 million mean? Yeah. And, and that just doesn't, quite yeah. hit home because the number is too big and they can't think about like, yeah. oh, wow. I actually think, have a, why not oh, go me? Ahead. Yeah. Why not me? Right. Not I, me? I actually have a, uh, uh, a piece of artwork right outside this studio. Sophie, right. and it's called, yeah. uh, Tim Urban created it. Okay. So check out Tim Urban. He has a blog called wait, but why it's unbelievable. And one of the pieces he created was called one in a million. And yeah. it's, it's a poster that, um, and a piece of artwork that has a million dots on it. Wow. And one of them is red. And then the wow. challenge is to find the red one and you can't Whoa. do it. Have you found it? Yes. How yeah, long I'm, did it take you to find it? It took me all day. Whoa. Like you would think that the red dot would just stand out, but, it, yeah, yeah, but yeah. its point is to show you how many a million is. Yeah. And, and how, and if you're one in a million, like you won't even, you can't even see the red dot against a bunch of black dots on a white page. Yeah. 
that's how small that dot is and how hard it is to see a red dot if there's a million black dots uh, or 999,000, you know, black dots around it. Which is, which almost brings us back to the original point, which was like, you want to be the red dot, right? Yep. Yeah. You want to be the red dot. (laughs) No one wants to be the black dot. You want to be the one that stands out. Well, it doesn't stand out as it happens, but I mean, you know. Yeah. And it's a weird thing to get because when you're uh, to understand, because when you're in, in, school, you know, before you turn into an adult, you'll do anything to fit in. And then you become an adult and you realize, oh crap, I'm supposed to fit out. Yeah. Yeah. My, my husband, who's an actor and who went to drama school. Yep, um, shout out to Jim, husband. Shout Jim. Out to Jim. <laughs> You've done your research. Um, shout out to Jim. He, we were talking just the other night actually about the fact that, you know, he was in drama school and he really believed, and this is like, he's a really great actor actually. So this is like maybe does him a disservice but he he said he really believed and they all really believed that they were going to be the next big thing you know like yet their year was the best they had the most talented actors they were going to you know change the industry they'd all be stars and the real the reality of them coming out into an industry that was like not really interested it's like Mm. an incredibly hard thing to very very hard thing to kind of to accept you know i mean first of all you auditioned for however many drama schools and you've been one of the ones that have has been selected but then to come out and be like oh this isn't going to quite be what i um, but, yeah what i hoped is, is a hard thing and then to keep going yeah. you know yeah it Difficult. it can it can get you yeah it can it can it can really get you um and and now i think with with what's happening with like sort of this forget who quoted this, but they said we're today in 2023, we're like in an epidemic of loneliness and hopelessness. Yeah. Just as a society. Social media. Yeah. 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 So it's um, maybe it was Tristan Harris. I don't know, but it, but I think, I think when you combine that with a job where the default is that you get told no. Yeah. 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 You have to have the right mentality for, for that, for, for sure. Um, let's assume mm-hmm. that there's one person who mm-hmm. really wants to be a casting director directly yeah. after this conversation ends. Don't do it. No, I'm joking. Can you yeah. don't do it? <laughs> we, I don't need the competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already trying to do it. Okay. Give up. No. Yes. Let's assume someone is crazy enough to want to be a casting director. I love this. um what would be the starter kit so like can you like and this is kind of something we do on this podcast where we get down to the to the actual details what like what are the brands the models like what do you need to be a casting director if you're going to start from scratch what should they go out and buy what's the starter kit okay so first of all the good news is you don't need to pay for anything that's the good news okay yes you don't need to um uh the second thing is if you do have money there is a course at what we call the nfts which is the national film and television school Uh, there is a casting course that you can go on um for a year i think it is and it's like not every day i think it's something like wednesday nights and something else Mm -hmm. um and you can and they'll also they they help place you once you've graduated so they can place you for like short periods of time with other casting directors etc so you can get experience that's Mm -hmm. the first thing that by the way was not there when i started out but i think it's a really amazing resource started by um gina jay and shaheen vague and the nfts okay um, but failing that, 
what you need to start and you know there's obvious things that you can write to casting directors and see if you can get placements there if somebody's looking for it for a job but really what you need to start and what nobody else can give you is start to watch things as much as you can tv film theater if mm. you can afford it um because what you need to do eventually and it can take years is you need to start knowing who's out there in terms of actors um oh, so yeah. the more you can kind of digest that the better but i mean that would have been my absolute favorite job ever in the world to to, to have an assignment of sitting down watching tv i would have thought that was absolutely brilliant so but really that and that that watching and remembering and trying to follow people's careers who you like and seeing what they're capable of doing, um, that will never change throughout your entire duration of casting. You will always be looking and learning and trying to remember. That's like a constant thing. So that's that's what I that that's what I would do if you're trying to get into it and and just do it. Uh, just write to as many people as you can consistently, trying to get more work. People are always looking for great assistants and associates. So I feel like. Um, you know, we're still not the glamorous actors of the industry. So there's, there's, there's right. space for more, basically. That's a great place to start. So we'll see. So just for those at home, take a course. Like you can take a casting course now. You can also, uh, if you're in the right area, go to the NFTS to get mm -hmm. some education. Watch and study. That's something you don't need anybody else for so that no. you know who's out there. And you start to know them by name. I think also you're developing taste when you do that. So watch and study. You develop your taste, what you like. Can mm -hmm. you identify talent? Did you see someone who where, you know, you're watching a, a Disney sitcom. Everyone in it is completely horrendous, except this one kid is making is acting his butt off in this in this terrible formulaic script. You can start to see those things and then write. Uh, to to find these jobs and basically, in other words, put yourself out there. Don't be be shy uh, about that. Um, can you tell us about a time that you had to push for an actor uh, that the production wasn't sure about or wasn't sold on? Um, I'm just having to think. Sorry. No, please. Um. And only because I'm wondering, well, if I say, does that make them look bad? You know what I mean? Well, you don't have to name names. Yeah. If you can just tell the story without naming names, that's okay too. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to um, name names, you can. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so yes, there's definitely been times um, when you've had experiences where they've not quite seen the talent. Maybe it's not popped on the tape. So we've had two recent examples of this um one where they like looked at the tape and they were like I'm not sure I'm not sure and I was like you need to come in to the recall session you need to see them live in the room and you need to feel what I'm feeling and they were like okay but I'm not sure and then we brought the team in and they sat there and they watched it and she was like oh yeah you were right I've not seen that before and I was like no but I did that's yeah. why you've got me. So like that's so that's worked out. And, and in both cases, like in the the um second one, we had to take them to see a show they were in before mm -hmm. they really saw the talent. So like they sort they weren't sure, they weren't completely, you know, sold. They were slightly on the fence. So we took them to see a show that that person was in and they were like, Yeah, okay, that's 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 who it is. So sometimes it's also about them being in the room, them understanding the chemistry and the energy of that person. And also when you know, when you know deep in your heart that you are right, you do have to push. But I did have somebody say to me once, 
you can only push them three times because if mm. you push them more than that, they'll push back against you and like you'll feel the wrath of them. So I always thought that was kind of interesting in terms of like a psychology of like working with strong personalities. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It makes me wonder what's the most unusual audition you've ever seen. Well, we've seen some crazy stuff. We've asked people to do some crazy stuff. <laughs> Right. Well, so can you give us one or, uh, of these, uh, or maybe the most unusual? I don't have, I don't have this story. This isn't my story, but, um, absolutely dreadful. What a uh, circumstance was when somebody was casting a play and in the play, there's a reference to that man's genitalia being large. Mm -hmm. Um, and to get the job that casting director had to see it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, listen, I'm approved at the best of times. I would have found that intolerable. I could not have done it. I could yeah. not have done it. I would, I mean, even the thought of it is making me go red. You are asked to do like hilarious things, but I mean, there's everything yeah. from kind of dance calls to um, sing, you know, all sorts of things that so you have to ask for like a variety of skills. But that, 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 that was my nightmare. I was like, I'm so glad that wasn't me. I don't think I could have done that. Yeah, it feels like if you go in there and then, you know, your member isn't large enough for the part that you could pull a George Costanza and say, hey, I just got out of the pool. <laughs> no. I'm just like, I mean, it's just it's just wild to me. That would have been just the worst, the worst. Do you remember yeah. that one? I don't know if you ever if you're a fan of Friends, but that one where Joey Tribbiani then also had to fashion himself. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you think that you, you think that's me? You think that's me? That's not me. That's not me. Give me a second. I'll use, you know. <laughs> well, we've really gone downhill here, Chris. We started high and now we're in. We're now now we're, in. yeah, now we're, now we're, you know, we're in the gutter. We're in the but, gutter. But we've never had a better time. Um <laughs> Um, how significant is of a problem is, are these fake casting calls? Yeah. Uh, okay. Like what, what are the red flags uh, that inexperienced actors should look for? Uh, yeah, how, really how do you identify a fake casting call? What are the characteristics of a legitimate casting agency, I guess would be the question. Well, that's a really good question. And timely. I had a call from my agent a couple of months ago about uh, a casting call under my name. And it definitely wasn't for me. And they'd been asking children to go along and audition and seemingly. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was really dreadful. And the thing is, is like, so what happened was a parent of one of these kids called my agent and said, um, is Sophie Holland doing these casting things? Because we've gone and auditioned several times, um, but it's something seems a bit off. And I just remember my blood running completely cold. Um, and then, and then to find these people is a real is really hard because they're like they're, you know, they they're on Facebook or they're on social media, like and they're setting up fake accounts. And then there's nothing, there's no way of getting hold of them. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's terrifying. And the thing is, is like the truth is, you just have to get your wits about you because these are people who maybe don't have agents to kind of um, validate who it is they're auditioning for. But you know, the chances of these things leading to a real job are. are incredibly slim as you can imagine and how do you regulate something like that I mean yeah and, and, and much with what we've kind of alluded to like casting directors don't have a blue tick like they're not 
famous enough like you know what I mean like it's impossible to kind of how do you say whether or not that person is who they say they are and you just have to be really smart you just have to use your instincts you have to do your research I mean now if you search for me you can find pictures of me online so you know what I look like but I mean yeah. Yeah, it's really hard and really scary because they're vulnerable situations. They're vulnerable situations anyway, auditions. So, you know. Yeah, I was kind of thinking to myself, what what are they getting out of the fake audition? Know. But I think you kind of alluded to it when I think they're filming them. And then yeah. they're able to take the the kids auditioning for a certain part and sell it. You know, Do you that's, think that's what it is? I think that's got to be it. <laughs> I think I would follow the money right there. I don't think they're really trying to cast these people no. in shows. I think they're just trying to get their tapes. And like, how do I get these tapes without me filming it? Shit. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. If you're a parent uh, of a of a kid, a child actor, um, spend the $99 to get on IMDb Pro and look up the person and validate. Um, yeah. Or have someone in film everybody's got one person that's trying to do something or is doing something in entertainment, like have them validate. Cause you don't want your, you just don't want to be part of that. No, you don't want to be part of that. Or even like look up that person's email address and email them legitimately and say, is this your casting call? Because guaranteed the casting director will respond and you're right. I mean, I dread to think, I dread to think, but it's, it's worth even just spending the time to, find out if somebody's legit. A absolutely. Because even if you're an adult, like once you send that off, you don't get it back. Like somebody's yeah. it's out there. And then, yeah. then what, if, if it, if it went to a, a fake person, then what? And then it's, yeah. it's like, Whoa, um, we've talked about it throughout. It's been a through line in this entire conversation and you've been so cool with your time. I just have a, uh, one or two more questions. We'll get you out of here, but, but this is a big one. So I wanted to kind of save it towards the end. This, uh, the lack of recognition yeah. for casting directors. The, so the Academy of Motion Pictures, Art Sciences, they don't yeah. give out Oscars for casting, um, despite the fact that the organization has a casting director's branch yeah. made up of three casting directors. Oh, who led does by, know? Well, it's led by Academy Governor Kim Taylor Coleman, who I guess is your next phone call. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. <laughs> who's been a, and she's been a casting director for over 20 years. Right. Uh, BAFTA, mm -hmm. the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, does provide an award for casting. So what do you feel about this difference? And and is it just as simple as a phone call to, to Kim Taylor Coleman? And how Kim, if you're listening, to get her to change these rules? What, why, why aren't we recognizing cast, casting directors the way we should? You know, honestly, it's it's one of these. I mean, like, listen, it's hilarious that you you were just like, well, what 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 would be the point of getting these people to audition? I am equally bamboozled as to why they would not want to give recognition because I'm like, is it because the producers want the recognition of casting these people? Like, that's mm, not a thing. That didn't happen. Right. Like, like, is so is that it that they don't want to give power away? Um, I don't, I really truly don't know. We have all these casting announcements. It would be so easy to say casting by da da da. That's all. So I, I truly, truly don't understand the angle of why it's not happening. I don't yeah. like, I don't have an answer. And I mean, like the, the BAFTA one's only been going for a couple of years, but the, um, the Olivier's don't have one yet. Um, mm. 
the Oscars don't have one. And yet, for example, when we talked about The Little Mermaid, that casting is so pivotal to to change the change in the industry that we're all looking to see. It was brought about by a casting director, but what you don't want to acknowledge them? Like I don't understand it. I think the way to go is to do to start where the uh, Grammy Awards start, mm. the, you know, the Music Awards. They have a series of awards that are non televised. Okay, but you get the award. Yes, and then. So for just famously, for example, hip hop started that way. Right. You couldn't imagine that now. Yeah. But when hip hop started, it was a non-televised award. It was insignificant. Right. But the fact that somebody fought for that to be an award, yeah. it then started there. And now it's become probably the, one of the most important awards of the night. Yeah. Um, casting could start that way. Yeah. Uh, not to say it'll ever be more important than best film or best actor or whatever, mm-hmm. but it could start as hey, we have these awards that are untelevised. You do get an award for it. You do get the the money and the gift yeah. bag and everything else and the trophy. We all just want and, the gift bag. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, the gift bag. Let's, let's, yeah, let's gift be real. Bag. Yeah. But, um, but, but like even with the, is it the Golden Globes or is it mm-hmm. the Emmys? I can't remember. But maybe the Emmys, they have like, um, are they the same thing? Is an Emmy and a Golden Globe the same thing? I'm really, uh, I don't know that. No. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. But they have like the, the Golden Globes have like the craft awards mm-hmm. and that would encompass casting yeah. and costume and everything else but i i just i just find i find it's it's kind of like try doing it without the casting director and see how you get on yeah you know yeah you wouldn't get on very well so i just no, i think listen listen well. I'm, I'm on team sophie now yeah gummit i'm fired up now i i had it as a question and now this is real i i i um i don't have a lot of pull but i I am on, I am, I am in the producer's guild yeah. and I will see if somebody knows Kim and I'm, I'll say, Kim, what do we got to do? Ask around. And the thing is, is like, look, this is what, this is what I honestly believe. Any casting director worth their salt, anyone can rock up a name of very famous people to play the leads. Mm -hmm. That is not what a casting director skill. That's not what the skill set is. The skill set is to build your world out with brilliant actors and not, not, that's not a skill that everyone has. Right. It's just not. Right. From the extras up. From the extras. I mean, they also need an award. Those extras is a different skill and brilliant in and of itself. But I mean, yeah, wild, absolutely wild. Yeah. We have an actor named Chris green that we're close with here on this podcast. And he did, um, he did queen of the South and most recently. And he, he has this, this big take on, on how to become a, uh, a, you know, uh, a scripted actor, an actor with lines, a speaking yeah. role from starting in an extra. Cause that's how he did it. That's how and, he and, did it. Yeah. And there's this whole almost course he has on, well, he does teach acting, but there's this, there's this method he has for being wallpaper that stands out. Yes. We which is which is how you get the perfect extra. Yeah, perfect. I listened to it, it's like he did an eight minute thing of of um of yours, and I listened to it and I thought like a super smart guy. But that's exactly. I mean, like you want those one liners to be like that. You want them to blend into the scene, but carry it. You know, but carry it. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Chris Green, and uh, if you want his services, he has a course called Life of an Actor, I believe. Uh, so yeah, very very cool. Uh, and. 
we're not going to end on a down note. It doesn't have to be a down note. But we mentioned it before, and it's becoming so important in the lives of filmmakers, actors, anyone in entertainment period. And you mentioned it before because social media is, is playing a big role in that. But also just there's a zeitgeist going on where we even brought on Dr. Mark Golston last year to talk to us about how to get yourself out of a hole Mm -hmm. when you're in a dark place with your mental health. And so I'm curious, have you ever been in a dark place as a casting director with your career, even going back to your acting days? And if so, how did you get out of it? What, What tools did you use? Yeah, I mean, and there can be many dark holes taking many different forms. So actually, I'm literally looking at a book here. I'll show it to you. Um, okay. I suffered from burnout quite severely. Mm-hmm. So my husband for Christmas bought so me the seven book is steps. Seven steps. Seven steps from burnout to happiness. Mm-hmm. And they're all things you know, by the way. But like, you know, like, for example, I think the first step is like exercise. And you know that, like, you know, or oh, exercise creates endorphins, yeah. like you feel good. But when you're in a hole, you don't want to do it. You know what I mean? You just want to lie in bed and like go to sleep. And you, you know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't know if I have advice really because I feel like everything that will get you out of it, you will know people will tell you people around you will tell you, but I would say fight, just fight to, to find your, um, in a equilibrium, you know what I mean? To not be up or down, just fight to find a steady, steady um, place to plant your feet in and feel like you're grounded and you know what I mean? Because I feel like this industry can really buffet you all the time, get you pushed from pillar to post. And I feel like you have to fight to be your own calm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and to your point about just knowing that is so true. Yeah, you just Man, know, you know, of course you know what's yeah. going to make you feel better, but you don't want to do it, you don't want to eat well, you don't want to exercise, you want to do it, yeah. but you have to fight, you have to fight to do that. And also, you also have to remember, and this like really brings us back to the beginning, is like, it's not real. This industry isn't real. You don't do it for anyone, like, you know what I mean? If You might get validation, you might not. Like, you have to find out who you are and like, put your stake in the ground and not be buffeted around, if you can. Yeah. Mankind needs to be reminded, not told. Yeah. That's the, that's the whole thing. Cause that's it's smart. like, you know what to do, but can, yeah. you know, can you remind yourself? I'd also recommend strangely, uh, atomic habits by James clear, because learning how to take things that you don't want to do and simplify them yeah. it, it, until their habit is really powerful. Like, so yeah, you know, it's going to make you happy, but you don't want to do it. How do you make it simple? You know, you need exercise to your point, Sophie, mm-hmm. but exercise is complicated. Which workout do I do? What, what, instead of that, simplify that. You walk mm-hmm. in, you do the 10 machines that are sitting there right in front of you and you do it every day. You don't do anything but those 10 machines. Yeah. You do 10 reps times four sets of those yeah. 10 machines and then you're going to get 400 movements and you're done in 45 minutes, yeah. but you did it every day. Strap on a pair of trainers and go for a walk. Get out. Lift your head up. Breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you're right. Keep, keep it simple. Do what you can. Just start somewhere. I feel like that's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like in with burnout, decision overload. Like yes. you only have so much willpower for that. Yeah. Years ago, I told my wife, "Do not ask me." I didn't say it in this tone. 
because I'm smart and I want to stay in my relationship. Yeah. But I said, you know, don't, don't worry about asking me what I want for dinner every night. Yes. I want whatever you make. Yeah. Whatever you, you've, you've not made anything bad yeah. in 17 years. Yeah. Just make it. That's so, that did, because literally Jim and I had that conversation and like, and like, and you know, I'm in a bad headspace when he asked me a question, and I want to kill him. You know what I mean? yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I know that this is not a, rea- a rational reaction to what you're asking me, but one question is like, is the straw that's breaking in camel's back. And I can't, like, he's like, what time will you be home tonight? I will cut you if you ask me that again. <laughs> this is not a rational response. And then you know I'm in a bad place and it's time to yeah. take care. You know? yeah. uh, no, that is perfect. I, I relate to that so much. And and that's been sort of the tone and feeling and vibe of this whole conversation. Yeah. I, 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 this has been an, an amazing, incredible. So I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Can you tell thank everybody? You. Oh, it's our pleasure. We'll have to do a round two. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, on the internet, maybe see some of your work? Yes, please come to my Instagram. So aptly entitled SHC Fasting. <laughs> We've discussed that before. Um, and I think my Twitter handle is Soph Holland Casting, but I don't really remember. But I'm somewhere mm-hmm. on there. <laughs> yeah, I followed you on Twitter. Twitter's. Okay. I'll follow you back. That's great. Yeah, it was like uh, Twitter was crappy then crappier and now it's on the upswing do you think oh i know uh oh, you can yeah. you can now upload like two hour videos directly to twitter okay i need to so get if you're like a podcaster or your creator like you can just upload that immediately now you can have subscribers people can pay you for your content literally pay you for your tweets oh. like um or whatever it is you create like it's um you pay for the for the blue check, but the payment comes with, I would say, uh, three or four X more features than you had before. Oh, so really? it's, like, it's not like you're just paying for the right to be, uh, exclusive or somebody or whatever. You it's actually like get you, your money. You, get, you get a ton of stuff if you use it, okay. if you use it right. So yeah, okay. find me on Twitter too, flaming your heart. And, uh, I already followed you, so you'll see that when you when you open your Twitter next. Uh, we'll we'll end on this. I'm yeah. looking for a new hobby. Yeah. Should I master rhythmic dancing with colored ribbons or the trampoline? Rhythmic dance, <laughs> rhythmic dancing with ribbons, and I say that because every Tuesday I do a tap class, and I'm dreadful, but it makes me feel great. And how does it work? Do the like, like well, just the ribbons part and oh, the. the- and the rhythmic dancing, like, are you, how does it work and what role do the ribbons play? Well, the ribbons, I feel like, are an expression of really how your soul feels inside. But they're <laughs> bright and colourful. You give them a wave. What, what's not going to cheer you up about that? So if you, if you see someone dancing with all black ribbons, then you know to, oh. like, run the other way. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, lest we forget the very iconic Wednesday dance. That mm. is like, you know, like, you know, she's she's in all black and like she's going for like some old school moves, you know. Yeah. But I also yeah. feel like just dancing is a really good thing. It's true. It is true. And that is a viral dance, by the way. So, yeah. That's if you guess, viral dance. That is viral dance. You know. Yeah. All ties in with the mental health and just the entire habit building and vibe of this conversation. Uh, Sophie, Thanks for having me. 
You're amazing. And don't be a stranger. If you're ever in Nashville, like I told you again, key to the city for you, for you and the team, we'll, we'll make it happen. And if I'm across the pond, I, I, I'll find you to you know get your best advice on a couch to lay on. Do, do that. I'm also going to take you to my DAP class, like take you out for dinner. We'll do the whole thing. It'll be fabulous. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Be good. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. For more information about this episode, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts by searching for Make It Banzai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore Banzai Creative and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. In addition, you can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we are trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please consider supporting our Patreon page. We spend a combined 35 hours a week producing each episode. We do this with a small team of go-getters that are passionate about film and connecting people with similar interests across the globe. And we have lots of goodies in store for our supporters, including bonus content, exclusive swag, and discounts and freebies to private film events. If that sounds like something you can get behind, Donations start at only $5 monthly. And, of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your film's financial success, go to www.banzai.film and click on Services to explore our unrivaled approach to film marketing. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening.